good morning. <clears throat> As you can hear, my voice is gone. So, yeah, allergies, good stuff. But you're going to be blessed by having Emmy and Madeline lead most of the songs this morning. So please stand with me as we come together and worship through song. nací en Cali, Colombia y en mi mente yo decía voy a saturar los Estados Unidos con cocaína pero ya luego cuando llego acá años después conozco a Cristo y pues ahora en lugar de pensar en saturar los Estados Unidos con cocaína eh, mi deseo es saturar los Estados Unidos con el Evangelio empezando con esta área de Virginia luego de que eh, Dios me hizo el llamado y salíamos a caminar por las calles de Sterling. Casi todos se conocen, así que era muy fácil poder conocer a las personas y a medida que nos iban permitiendo, también íbamos nosotros contándoles que estábamos plantando una iglesia. 
los evangelizábamos, algunos de ellos respondían positivamente y ahí empezó todo. Mi nombre es Ronnie Torres y soy entrenador personal. No puedo creer que ya llevo cuatro años de haber conocido a Jefferson. Había dejado todo en Venezuela y íbamos al gimnasio con, con frecuencia, sí. Y él con paciencia y me llevaba a la Biblia. Era el principio de mi travesía cristiana y nunca me imaginé que, que iba a estar haciendo algo así. Cuando conocí a Ronnie, mi esposa y yo estábamos empezando la plantación de la Iglesia Bíblica Campo Blanco. Tenemos muchos inmigrantes que están buscando una, un mejor futuro y alrededor de un 70% eh, de las personas que asisten a, a nuestra iglesia han conocido a Cristo ahí y Ronnie es uno de ellos. Por tanto, los campos están blancos, listos para la cosecha y es ahí como iglesia podemos marcar la diferencia. Why are you wearing a backpack? To carry other people's burdens. What's a burden? What? <laughs> okay, we really did study this today, but you're all right. He is carrying a backpack because that's what we do here. We carry other people's burdens and we pray about them and we take care of them. And today we talked about that. And so the kids have been having to carry around a heavy backpack to remind us that we should be praying for each other. This is a praying church and um, we're trying to start young, right? Yes. Right? Yes. All right. Choir practice for Mercy Tree, the mini cantata, is after church this Sunday. Every Sunday after church, we're going to be uh, practicing for Mercy Tree. You only have five weeks till Easter, so invite everybody. Let's just get this place packed out for Easter and before. That would be good, too. Survey of the Bible class led by Randy meets tonight at 6. Uh, church council meeting following service today. Annie Armstrong Easter offering, which we've been watching the videos about, um, is this whole week. Monday is Savior Stretch at 6.30 in the chapel. I could use a little stretch. Uh, Tuesday, Women on Mission at 2. And Wednesday is Prayer and Share. And um, we're going to have a little video, another Annie Armstrong video. Josh and Beth Gilpin, who live in Jacksonville, Florida. And Mark Willem is going to lead us in prayer after that. Who's in my family? Who's in my family? Yeah, if you looked at a picture of ours, we'd certainly look different. We have two biological children, we have three adopted children. So certainly if you look at a photo, you see brown hair, you see dark skin, you see blonde hair. And certainly we do get weird looks, but the great thing is seeing the Lord work and do things that you never even dreamed possible. 
call to adopt came out of intimacy with the Lord, just like our calling to plant this church. I'm the church planting pastor of Refuge Church in the Ortega community of Jacksonville. We've been here about two and a half years. It was a community that was very unreached. And being there, the Lord just began to kind of do something in our heart. We didn't set out to plant a church for foster and adoptive families. It really just happened. The Lord did it. A lot of our church has become people from this community who are fostering or who are adopted. So we share that in common. People are longing for community. And when you add the layer of taking on people and children from difficult places, it's not easy. It's not comfortable. I think the reason they've shown up here, there's a big closet full of diapers and shoes and strollers and car seats. And they see that and they come here to get a need met. Through that, they build a relationship. Next thing we know, they're in our church on a Sunday. And I think about the amount of children who come to our church who, if families didn't say yes to foster care and adoption, uh, those, those children would never hear about Jesus. They'd never hear the gospel. This is the calling that God has for us. And when people give to Annie Armstrong, you're able to support those who are on the front lines of gospel work. And people hear the gospel who would never have a chance to hear the gospel. It's, uh, it's not that I hate to follow her. If you can't tell, Teresa's a little shy and bashful and needs the moral support. <laughs> Let's take this time to go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you so much for bringing us here this morning in your house to hear your word. I ask you to please be with Cliff and Adam to, to give them the strength and the message that, to relay your message on to us. And uh, seeing these videos of, of the Annie Armstrong offering and the people that are... are uh, planning churches in different communities, we need to remember that we, on our bulletins or our, pray, our prayer list that we pick up every week, that there's, there's so many people on it. There, there's so many churches in our community that we just, uh, or just one town over that need prayed for. They need to find the strength to find a pastor or, or whatever their uh, situation might be. And there's so many families on there that we need to pray for to, to reconnect with the church. And, and just, and more so just, the ones with the health issues, it's more than that, Lord. And we have the current uh, who's your one list, and and uh, I have three on it that, that are close to me um, that I, I continue to pray for every day, Richard, Linda, and Alan, that, that one day they will turn to know you, Lord, and, and I ask that every day. I ask this in your name, Lord. Amen. Please stand with us once again as we continue to worship through song.
guides me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. All right, so great job, girls. Um, that last song, I am who you say I am, we're, we're coming up, right? Uh, as Teresa said, we're coming up, five, we're five Sundays from Easter, what I like to call Resurrection Sunday, okay? Because uh, I like to move to the empty tomb. I love that, right? Jesus came to die on the cross and shed his blood so that we might have remission of sins, so we might have forgiveness. And he overcame death, and that's why we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. That's why we celebrate Easter, because the stone is rolled away, and our Savior's not in a grave anymore. He walked out alive, and that's our hope. And, and so Jesus, you know, sometimes we figure out where's our worth from. I want you to know that the most precious commodity in all of the universe, the blood of Jesus, was shed. So that you might have the opportunity to be redeemed. Okay? That's how much he thinks of you. He died for you. You have worth because Jesus died for you. So, as we're walking through this Son of David thing, the question is, in our case, is who do we think Jesus is? Okay? Who do we think that Jesus is? So we've turned, we've set the stage in the Old Testament as we walk through 
at the end of Saul's reign, because of his sin, he was removed. And David, finally into David's reign, where we recognize him as he was, we, we saw that he was a spiritual leader when he brought the ark back. That was important. We saw that he was a military leader. We read of all the accomplishments and how that God was with him, when, when, whichever way that he turned. And finally, last week, we looked at him as a repentant leader. Uh, because of his sin, his sin particularly, he talked about Bathsheba, but he was a repentant leader. So here's, here's the part that, that, here's the part where we want to pat our hand, ourselves on the back when we turn to the New Testament. But I also, I, I just, you know, I'm just going to share with you, sometimes when I read this, I wonder if I'm getting it, Okay? And that, that's what I'm going to ask you guys. Are we, are we getting what, what, what Jesus, who Jesus is and what Jesus can do in our lives? So as we move from the Old Testament and we move into the New Testament, we're looking for that phrase, son of David. Now it's interesting to see who uses that term and when it's used, okay? Who recognized Jesus as the son of David. Who recognized Jesus as the son of David? What led them to that conclusion? Because Jesus wasn't carrying around a sign that said he was the son of David. Now we, we know when we turn back to the beginning of Luke and Matthew, we see in the genealogy, he's tied, he's the lineage of David, the son of David. We also see the, annou the announcement of the angels to the shepherds of believe, and he's called the son of David there. All right, so in those, we see that. But that, that was a long time ago. And he's not carrying that around. It's not on a business card that Jesus is handing out as he goes through the cities. So what, what led them to that conclusion? What led them that to that conclusion? And here's the question. What led them to see what others missed? Now, who should have recognized Jesus as the Messiah, as the son of David? Who should have been there saying, hey, this is the guy that we've been waiting for? It should have been the guys that were studying the Bible, right? You know, it's the guys, how many of you got Bibles you got all marked up? Right? And you got, you got Bible. Ethel's down here. She's got all my sermons written there. She can tell me if I've been here before, all right? So we're going to be in Luke 8, chapter 18. So as we walk through that, you got your Bible. That's the kind of people that I would expect that when Jesus shows up, that's him. I've been waiting for you. That run to him and hug him and thank you for finally coming. But when we look through the New Testament, the ones who should have seen him, the religious people, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, those guys, the scribes, they were constantly, they didn't have copiers back then. Xerox wasn't a thing. Xerox happened to be Joe, okay? Joe went to work every day, got him a pen, uh, you know, something that scribbled with a feather with ink in it, and, and, and they would write. And they still do that, right? They stand all day writing, and they're writing down the Old Testament, and they and they're, they're just keep writing it down. And those guys, when Jesus came, just kept on writing. Okay, they missed him. Matter of fact, not only did they not see him, they said that he wasn't. All right. So when we look at this, it's interesting to see who saw Jesus as the son of David and who missed and how did they miss and what these guys see that the others did. Because guess what? Jesus is coming back. What's he going to do when he comes back? It's going to be trumpet sound. Right? And the dead in Christ shall rise first. I want to know that trumpet sound from the sound of a car horn. 
Now we think it should be easy, right? It should have been easy to see Jesus the first time. But yet they missed him. So let's look at this. Who, uh, who saw Jesus as the son of David? Who addressed him as the son of David? Here's a surprising thing. It's the blind men. Okay? Now how can people who can see can't see Jesus? But yet it's the blind man who, who we're going to look at here that saw Jesus and addressed him as the son of David. Now there's four counts of blind men. And I'm going to put, we're going to read just one of them. But in Matthew 9, 27 through 31, you can read, you can look at that a little. You got time today because there's no football on any day, right? Okay? And, and so you, you can, and, and it's going to be windy out this afternoon, your hair will just get messed up. So read, take some time to read this. Matthew 9, starting in verse 27, you read a story about two blind men that saw Jesus, and they cried out and called him son of David. And in Matthew 20, so it's a different account. Matthew didn't write it twice, but later on there's an account of two men that came up to Jesus, and they said the very same thing. They addressed him as the son of David. And in both cases, it's the blind man. And in Mark 10, 46 through 52, it's the only time one of the blind men is named, and it's a singular blind man just outside of Jericho, and his name is Bartimaeus. Luke 18 seems to be the same story, although Bartimaeus is not named, unless you have one of those Bibles that has little headings above it. When you get to Luke 18, and the verses that we're going to read from verse 35 on, you'll see Bartimaeus up there in italics, okay? So that's how they're identifying. So what we want to do is look at the story here. We're going to look at the story, and we're going to read that, because all the stories more or less flow the same way. The blind men are sitting and and they don't want to be blind anymore. They know and they hear that Jesus is coming. The noise in the streets, it's kind of like Jesus is on parade. When we read the Gospels, we often see where people are coming, parading. Remember the woman who reached in and touched his cloak? And he said, who touched me? And the disciples go, what do you mean who touched you? You just walk through a throng, a throng of people, and there are probably a hundred people touched you. You want to know who touched you? And it was the woman who had the issue, and, it, and as soon as she touched him, she was healed. And she says, it was me. All right? So, so that's the kind of uh, the setting that we see, that the crowds are gathered around. They're waiting to see Jesus. And among those is the blind man that we're going to read about here in Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 35. As Jesus was approaching Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging because guess what? A blind man can't make a living except for the big. That's how they did it back then. Now, hearing a crowd going by, he began to inquire what this was. They told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he called out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way were sternly telling him to be quiet. But he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. In other words, he's getting louder. And Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. And when he came near, he questioned him, What do you want me to do for you? And he said, now this is a blind man, Bartimaeus, Lord, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, Receive your sight, your faith, has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him. 
glorifying God. And when all the people saw it, they gave praise to God. So we see this story. This is what's happening. Here's the blind man doing his daily thing. Doing his daily thing. He sat on the side of the road and he begged. Uh, one, of my, one of the musicians that I've learned to appreciate was a guy by the name of Blind Willie Johnson. He was an, uh, a musician during the, the, the 20s. Matter of fact, was, he, he's recorded on Capitol Records and his recordings up in floating around space someplace. Okay? Uh, if you find it, you probably ought to leave it there. All right, so. <coughs> Blind Willie Johnson couldn't see. So Blind Willie Johnson would take his guitar and he learned to play bottleneck. Um, and anyway, he would, he would sing on the side of the road. And if you listen to it, you go, he's got a, his voice isn't very appealing. It's kind of gravelly. But it was for the purpose because he was standing beside the road and as we were getting the industrial revolution going on and, the, and, and stuff was, you know, we were starting to prosper there and it was noisy in the streets. And so if you wanted to be heard, you had to be louder than the noise. You had to stand out. And that's exactly what he did. And he stood there and played his guitar and people would give him money and he was able to make a living that way along with his recordings. Beautiful story. That's exactly what this blind man that we read about, Bartimaeus, likely is that man that we're talking about. He's on the side of the road. He's begging alms. I, it doesn't say he played guitar. It was too early for that. But anyway, he's doing, this, he's doing the same principle. I'm going to stand on the side of the road. I'm going to hope that people leave me enough money so that I can get food tonight. Maybe food tomorrow. So that's what he did. So he's standing on the side of the road. And he's begging, you know, he's doing his normal thing, his daily thing. That's where he's at every day. And he hears the noise and he hears the crowd and he asks, who is, what's, what's going on? Because this was not a normal crowd passing by. In other words, there's more traffic. And so I need to know who the more traffic is because maybe this is a good day. Okay? More traffic, the better it is, right? And so they tell him it's Jesus of Nazareth. Now there's a little question about who, what he knew about Jesus of Nazareth. Now Jesus has been doing his ministry. At this time it seems like he's on his way to Jerusalem for the last time. That's where he's making his way to. So as they walk through this, Jesus has been around long enough that there's a very high probability that this man had heard about Jesus. And if he'd heard about Jesus, what, he'd heard, what had he heard? He'd heard that he was able to heal people. I mean, the lame walked. He'd, done, he'd cured other people who were blind. And so here's this guy's opportunity. And it may have been his only, he may have just heard about him, but never have been that close to him. You know, it's rarity, right? When we get close to somebody that we've been longing to see, we, we, we can make fools of ourselves, can't we? Right? You get that. Right? You know, your favorite baseball star or whatever it might be, you're willing to holler out their name. You wouldn't do that normally, but you don't holler across Walmart, hey! But now you're sitting close enough, you want to holler at whoever it is you want an autograph from or you want to see you want audience with. And here's Jesus. You're blind. And you know what this man can do. And so what does he do? He says, son of David. Have mercy on me. He uses that phrase, Son of David. So he recognizes that phrase is the Messiah. That is the Christ. And so he's using a reference that nobody else, that, that, that wasn't used often. 
the idea of son of David and recognizing Jesus as the Messiah. Son of David, have mercy on me. And then when the two ask in Luke 9, and, and actually Luke 20, and Matthew 9 and Matthew 20, it's flipped. Okay, not that there's a significance to it, but it's have mercy on us, son of David. Same vocabulary, just flipped. Either way you look at it, right? They're addressing Jesus as the son of David, as the Messiah, a blind guy. Not the scribe, not the Pharisee, not the Sadducee, not the guy who's in the, in the synagogue on a regular basis, not the guy who has access to all the scrolls and stuff. This is a guy, a blind man on the side of the road begging. Doesn't mean that he wasn't studying God's word, but he's not, that, he's not in the religious group there. Have mercy on me. He wants something from Jesus. Now, Jesus stops. Everybody's telling him to be quiet, right? And he just keeps on screaming louder. Jesus hears, bring him to me. Because he needed guided to Jesus. And then when he has an audience, I mean, everything's now focused on the blind man and Jesus in the middle of all this crowd. And Jesus says to him, what do you want me to do for you? Now, I've told you a story before. I fell off my bicycle. I landed on my teeth, knocked out one, completely broke two off. And, and my mom coming got me. The guy at the door asked me if I wanted to call the ambulance. I said, no, just pick, get my mom. And gave him the number. And she came and got me, took me back to the house, and then took me to the hospital. So when I get to the hospital, she drops me off at the emergency room door so I don't have to walk. And, and so she tells me to stay. And, well, I'm a teenager, right? So I don't listen even then. And I kind of walked on into the doorway where there was a nurse from the ER rolling out a wheelchair. And she looks at me, and she goes, can I help you? And I'm thinking, well, yeah. I mean, isn't it? No, I'm just, I mean, I got no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all, I know I messed up. I don't know that I knew I was missing teeth. I just knew that I, I needed to be there, all right? Now, little did I, I, I'd forgotten that my mom took me home and cleaned me up because she couldn't take me to the hospital with the bloody shirt, okay? I forget that, but I think it's obvious. As a blind man standing before Jesus, yeah, I want you to help me. And what do I want you to help me with? I can't say, right? I can't, I mean, that's the, the obvious thing, but Jesus took the time to ask him the question, what do you want me to do for me? And what does the blind man say? I want to regain my sight, I want to regain my sight. He comes to Jesus and asks for one thing. I want to regain my sight. That's what he's asking for. Now, when I read that, there's a question about that. There's a couple questions. But he knew what he was missing because it talks about regaining his sight. And he wants that sight back. And now he's standing, you know, when you lose your sight, that's it. Particularly in that day, that's it. So 
What does he do? He says he's standing now before the only man that he knows can give him his sight back. He doesn't have to know how, but he knows that he can. It's not figuring out what's going on there. You can heal me, and that's why I'm asking you. And what happened was this. Jesus did what? He healed him. He regained his sight. What a miracle. What a miracle. The man now walked away in praising God. And as a matter of fact, all those people that told the guy to be quiet, well, glad you spoke up. Because they just got to see that. They knew the guy. He, he's their guy. They had pitched into his hat. And now all of a sudden, he can see. They've seen a dramatic change in his life. And now they're praising God. So here's the question. As we walk through that, it's cool to see that this blind man on the side of the road addresses Jesus as the son of David. So what is the son of David connection? How did, how did that blind man get what others had missed? I mean, that's what's going on here. The other guys, the, everybody else has missed it. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, you know, because there's Pharisees hanging around. Right? There's religious people hanging around in this, in this group that's going through Jericho because they wanted to watch and see everything that Jesus did. You know, later on, um, Richard's going to start doing that chosen thing. And everywhere that Jesus goes, there's the religious people checking out what he's doing because they need to approve of it or disapprove of it. And generally, it's just disapproved of everything he did. So how, what's that connection? So here's the deal. It's prophecy. It's prophecy. The son of David was prophesied in 2 Samuel chapter 7. But in Isaiah, later, years and years later, God gives a word to Isaiah the prophet, probably around the time of Hezekiah as he was the king. Because the chapter following, this is the 35th chapter, 36th chapter is what my Old Testament professor called the book of Hezekiah. Right there in the middle of Isaiah is this little it, three chapters that deal with Hezekiah and what was going on. Beautiful passage. But right before that is these verses in chapter 35, verses 5 and 6. And what it's talking about is it's talking about the, the, the redemption that's coming. It's talking about the hope and the restoration that's coming. God had a plan for our restoration Long before we knew that we needed it. Long before Jesus ever came on the scene. God had already had a plan. Matter of fact, if you read back in Genesis, God had the plan from before it began. So here we are in verse 5 of chapter 35 of Isaiah. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened. The ears of the deaf will be unstopped. The lame, then the lame will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute will shout for joy. For waters will break forth in the wilderness and streams in the Arabah. This man, in this passage of Scripture, that has been connected for us by Jesus, by God, by the Holy Spirit, as it's happening, I'm not sure that the disciples understood it, but they recorded it, and they see the connection between this man that walked the streets on the way through Jericho where this man intersects and he says, Son of David. And he's addressing the, the very act that this is the Messiah that has come because the Messiah will be the one who can do what? He can give sight to the blind. 
And that man stood there on that promise and hope, understanding that just Jesus of Nazareth was not just any man. This Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah, the Christ that they'd been waiting for. So in this passage of Scripture, it always references a faith. As a matter of fact, in Matthew 9, I believe it is, it says, Jesus says to the two blind men, do you believe that I am able to do this? It's exactly what he asked. Do you believe that I am able to do this? You've asked that they could, they've asked that they could regain their sight. And he asked them a question. Again, obvious, we've asked because we believe. Do you believe that I can do this? And those men said to him, yes, we believe. And in all of the stories about the blind being healed, it refers to their faith. Your faith has made you well. And then their eyes were opened. And they could see Jesus like everybody else. But I'm going to guess that they saw Jesus that was more than everybody else. Because the rest was just following to see what happened. This man asked for something to happen. These men, the pairs of men in Matthew, they asked for God to do something. You see, they came with a, a faith. And they walked away rewarded with their faith by the Son of David because they could now see. So as I wrap this all up here, Think about what this happens, because it's a really cool story, right? I mean, you, you think about it. Here's a guy who couldn't see, who now can see. Hallelujah, right? We ought to be, you know, tell, what did you learn in church? We learned about a blind man getting to see again, because Jesus healed him. Love that. But it's about so much more than that. You see, as Jesus was walking these streets, yeah, they had to determine who he was. We have to determine who is Jesus to us. And who is Jesus to us? One of those historical figures that we read about. He's a guy for church people. Why, who is Jesus? He's a guy in the Bible. You know, before you were saved, who was Jesus? He's a guy you read about in the Bible that lived a long time ago. But when your eyes get opened, you see so much more. You see that Jesus is not merely a historical figure, but he is the Son of God the prophesied Messiah that came. He didn't meet their expectations. But he was everything that God intended him to be. He was exactly what we needed. Everything else that people were looking for left him on the shelf, not dying for our sins. But God sent him so he could die for our sins. Even in this story, as the, as the blind man walks away, the blind man saw Jesus as a Messiah in particular reference to receiving his sight. There was so much more to Jesus than his eyesight. So what are we going to do with what, we, what we, we've looked at the story? We talked about the blind man. We talked about the Messiah. We talked about the, 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 the prophecy, the fulfillment, of that, the recognition of Jesus as the son of David, as the one that God was sending. Because there are people that still don't get that. Here's what I want you to think about. This is your action step. I want you to ask 
Jesus, open your eyes. How many fingers am I holding up? Well, you don't need your eyes open, do you? Because you get get two fingers up, right? You you can see that. How many fingers do I have now? One, right? Which hand is up, left or right? Okay, even the people online are getting that right. Okay? Here's the thing I think we miss. Is seeing our world like Jesus sees it. We watch those church planters. We listened to the one because we couldn't understand a word he said. All right? At least I couldn't. I could read it. Neat, neat story. But who saw in that man, a guy who came to the country to deal cocaine, who saw in that man a preacher? Think about that. When you, if you had met him earlier, you wouldn't have seen him as a need for a Savior. You'd have saw him as a need for a jail cell. And then when you see the guy in Jacksonville, you know where they're at? Did you look at that church plant? Do you realize that they're in an old church building that somebody else used to be in? And, and, and they saw a need, and God did a work with that church in that building, and now it's replanted, and now it's ministering to people who are fostering kids. Who saw that? But Jesus sees those kind of things. So when I'm asking you to say, ask Jesus to open your eyes, and you're saying, why do I need to do that? Because you and I don't see the things that God sees. We don't see people the way he sees people. We don't see their burdens. We say, take your burden and take it someplace else. We don't see that we can help them to see that Jesus can bear their burdens, can take their burdens off, can take that backpack and take care of those problems. So that's why I'm asking us to see as Jesus sees, to see the world. He came to die on the cross. Yes, he sees the sin of the world. Yes, it it pains him. But he also knows that they need somebody to tell them about Jesus. So that's what I'm asking. We're gonna we're gonna Adam's gonna come up here and and I don't know if he's got help singing, but yeah, he's gonna help singing. Okay. we're going we're gonna to sing, and his invitation time is for you to come up and pray. You may be praying, as Mark told us, about three names on the who's your one. You see, they don't see what the blind man saw. Their eyes need to be open. So you might pray for their eyes to be open, for their ears to be open. Jesus said that to his disciples. I fed 5,000, now you're worried about what I'm going to feed the 4,000. And, you know, are you blind? Can you not hear? Can you not see? And sometimes when I, I, I say that it concerns me, I don't want to be like the religious people that let Jesus walk on by. I want to see what he sees so that I can have God use me and you, Emmanuel, to make an impact in these people. Maybe today is the day that you want to surrender to the call to go be a missionary, to be a preacher, whatever it might be. Maybe you want to join a church. All of those things are open. Just respond to however God has spoken to you throughout this week. Let's stand.
couple things before we get out of here. We're going to pray in just a moment. I want to, want to share a couple things with you. So this week is the Annie Armstrong Week of Prayer. Okay, the Annie Armstrong Week of Prayer. So how do I know who to pray for? Well, if you're on our Facebook page, every day the names will come across there, the link for the story. You can watch the video. We're, we're going to watch the videos throughout the next Sunday. We're going to watch one more the following Sunday. And so, but you've got these they're by the doors. They're right behind Mark and Steve. They'll hand it to you as your way out. And actually, Glenn, there's some behind you for the, for the people that are going out the back door. So you can get this. And on the inside of here, it tells about who knows my name. And it's got day one. We're praying for the lost. Day two, Jefferson, the guy that we, that we watched the video for. It's in English, okay? So you can pray for him. And so consequently, it goes through the rest of the week. And also, there's an envelope. So the envelope is for you to put something in. You put a dollar in, you can put $1,000 in, okay? Here's the thing. When you, when you pray and when you give, you get to be part of what you saw. A guy who you've never met, a guy you may never meet until you get on the other side of the gates of glory in heaven and have all of eternity to wander around. I watched you in a video, right? I prayed for you that week back in 2024. That's what you get. You get, to, you get to celebrate what's going on by praying and by giving. So I encourage you to do those things. So we're getting ready for, Teresa called it Easter. I like to call it Resurrection Sunday. Okay? That just rolls off of my tongue a lot better. It's the same day. Okay? It's the same day. And I want to celebrate. I celebrate Easter. Invite people. You're probably better off to invite them to Easter services than the, than the resurrection services. But anyway, I hope that they make the connection because it's a bigger deal that we understand that it's beyond eggs and bunnies. It's about, it's about Jesus Christ and about what he did on the, on the cross, how he came out of the grave, and what that means to them. So here's what we need to happen. So when we first got here, I don't 2013, was our first Easter here as pastor. And the following Monday after, after t Easter Sunday, whatever day that was, we went out to Mizzou. And we took Daniel on a visit out there. And in the afternoon, sometime during that day, Ruth, made a, Ruth and I connected on the phone. And she goes, guess how many people we had here? I don't know. You know, because it's a lot of there was a lot of people here because it was it was you know pretty crowded. Um, she goes, we had over 200 people, and I understood then that that was a benchmark for Manuel Baptist Church. Now was to get to 200 for Easter. How many do you think we can get to 200 on Easter? Yeah, we can't. God can. Okay, we've been hanging our heads since we got COVID, right? And that messed up our Easter service. Oh, we'll be back in Easter. We were, you know, there were like, there were you and I and a couple sound guys and, and Al and Marla, okay? We're here on Easter Sunday. And, and since then, we've been slowly picking back up and we're like, we've kind of gotten, we've kind of got, how's, how's things going at your church? When people ask, I'll think, well, we're not quite back. You know, we always reference that number. Let's pray that God does something that we can't do. And let's pray that you have to squish in your pews. Now, how's that going to happen? You're going to have to start praying, right? Because how did these churches plant? Because people started praying. 
Think people started coming in. They were surprised by who came in. But God is at work. And I want us to see that God is still at work in the year 2024. We've got no reason to hang our head. That Jesus we worship before COVID is the same God, and He can deliver us again. He can fill these people, these pews in. So what do we want to see? It's not full pews. We want to see a baptistry to get used. And we need people to come and hear the message. You need to carry that message out. We are missionaries in the community. You're not in Florida. You're not in, I forget where the other guy was at, but in Virginia. You're in Carlinville. God has a message for you to carry out. Carry that message out and let's see and let's expect that God is going to do great things. So here's our, our, our week's readings. You'll be reading those. We'll put videos up. Last week's videos will go up sometime this week because I was out of town, out of pocket to do that. Um, so I want to do that. Invite you to come back Wednesday. The Savior Stretch and all that stuff's going on. The Women on Mission on, on, on the afternoon. There should be one more slide up there. Do you have the, the um, yeah, the mission trips. This is the other thing I want to pray for. These are dates all through the year. Pick a city, go. We need to be a sending church, okay, where people go out and go on mission wherever that place might be, right, to go out and to, to work with one of those church plants and help them to reach their community, to learn what they're doing, because sometimes we're amazed, how do they do that and we don't do that? Go out and see what they're doing and bring that back, see what God's doing, how God can use you in one of those places. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for, for coming for us. Father, we thank you for the redemption. We thank you for the salvation that you offer. Father, I pray for those who are on our list, those who are on our hearts, Lord, that may not yet be on that list. Father, that we want to pray for. Father, that they might, by this Resurrection Sunday, by this Easter Sunday, they might have had the opportunity to hear the message about their need for salvation. And Father, that they might have responded positively to that. And Father, we might rejoice with them as they go through that process to make that known to all of us. Father, we just pray that you would go with us as we walk out these doors. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all can go church council meeting.